You know, the Bible speaks about peace, love, and joy. And as I think about where we are in the middle of this pandemic, I see so many Christians that are uh, experiencing disappointment, discouragement, frustration. Uh, many people, frankly, are miserable, and it becomes evident in their actions and their attitudes. And so again, I ask the question, where, where's, where's the disconnect? Why, why can we not have what Jesus has, has promised? Well, when Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, he, he had a talk with them. It's recorded in John chapters 14, 15, 16 primarily, and just a little bit of the last part of 13. And in, in that talk is where he uh, both prepared them for his departure, but also prepared them for what they were to do and who they were to be after he had ascended into heaven. It was in this, in this, this talk, this farewell talk, that Jesus spoke about peace. He spoke about us having love and having joy. In verse 27 of John 14, here's what Jesus said about peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And then in chapter 13, verse 34, he spoke about love. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then in John 15, this is what he says. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So for the next few weeks, we're going to walk through this passage and see what, what, what are these things that Jesus is referring to. He says, these things have I spoken to you. This is toward the end of his farewell talk here. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Maybe you have joy today, but you're not, you're not full of joy. But Jesus said that he came that we might have all of these things. And so today we're going to begin in the first part of that talk after Judas had went out and Jesus begins to speak to his disciples. And we see what, what are these things that Jesus was telling us that would lead us to experience peace, love, and joy. So I want to invite you to join me in standing as we turn to John chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. And today we'll be looking at verses 31 through 35. Here's what the Bible says. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray together. 
Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand this new commandment today. I pray that you'd help us to become a people who are known by our concern, our love, our attitudes, the way we interact with each other. May people see in us, in our words and in our behavior, may they see your Son made known. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Jesus begins by talking about this new commandment of love, and, and we're not going to get to peace today. Enjoy it. It's a long talk. We'll take it kind of one section at a time and try to understand what Jesus is teaching us here. As we think about where we are today, we're, we're in the same place the disciples were after Jesus ascended into heaven. We're living here in this church age in which everything that Jesus said to the disciples here to try to prepare them for how they were to behave and what they were to do, it, it all applies to us in our own time here. And in the passage today, Jesus begins to speak about his relationship to the Father and the glory involved in that, and then gives what he calls a new commandment that we, that we love one another. Jesus glorified the Father, and the Father glorified the Son, that is, that is Jesus. So listen to what he says in verse 31. And when he had gone out, that's, that's Judas, so Judas exits and now Jesus begins to, his talk with his true disciples. Jesus says, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. Notice that Jesus says that, that now the Son of Man is, is glorified. Jesus was in complete control of what happened to him as he pursued the will of the Father. Throughout the Gospel of John in particular, it emphasizes his time and his hour. There was a time for things to take place. They, they unfolded according to the Father's will as the Son controlled the timetable of what was going on in his life. Jesus was in control of everything that was happening to him. And so we look throughout the passage here through John, and we see these references to, to the time and the hours. If we go back to John chapter 7, this is earlier in Jesus' ministry. And the Bible says, Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand, so his brothers, that is Jesus' brothers, said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. So verse 5 tells us a little commentary, for not even his brothers believed in him. So, so his brothers don't believe, and so they're, they're, they're really mocking him and, and uh, urging him on. Uh, they're, they're not in support of him nor in belief. But in verse 6, Jesus responds to them. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. But your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. Jesus was following the Father's will. There was a time to live in obscurity. There was a time 
to be baptized and launch a very public ministry. There was a time to preach and time to work miracles and signs. And there was a time to go to Jerusalem and be crucified. And all these things take, took place according to the Father's will in his own, his own time. John 7, 30, the same chapter, a few verses down, tells us later, so they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Here's why, because his hour had not yet come. His hour had not yet come. Jesus was in control of, of, of everything related to his life and his ministry, when he would go to Jerusalem, when he would be arrested, and when he would be, when he would be crucified. So what does that have to do with us experiencing love and loving other people? Well, here's what I want you to see. Jesus gives us a commandment. And Jesus has the authority to give us a commandment because he is God. Throughout his earthly ministry, he was in control in a way that you and I could never even dream of being in control. You and I can't control the weather. We can't control this virus. We can't control our economy. We can't control politics. We can't control our neighbors. We can't control anything. Most of us can't control our own tongue. We're not in control of anything. We're not. And yet Jesus was in control of everything. He orchestrated his own life according to the Father's will. And it was through submission to the Father that he brought glory to the Father. And so he says to his disciples, now is the Son of Man glorified. You see, Jesus glorified the Father through obedience. If we go back to John chapter 5, verse 30, earlier in Jesus' ministry, listen to what he said. He said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was obedient to the Father. He glorified God through his submission and his obedience. And so he says, now the time has come because he knows the Father's will and he is unfolding it accordingly. And so Luke chapter 22 tells us about Jesus as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his crucifixion. And it says, And he withdrew from them, that is, Jesus withdrew from his disciples, a about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Notice that, that Jesus is aware of the will of the Father, and even though it's not, not his will, his will is to avoid suffering and agony on the cross and bearing the wrath of God. It's his will. He doesn't desire to go through this, but yet through obedience, he submits to the will of the Father. So he says, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. In verse 44, listen to what Jesus experienced on this night. He says, and being in agony... In agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. 
The Bible says that as Jesus was on that night, he was in great agony, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus knew what was about to take place the next day. It was no surprise to him when they came to arrest him. It was no surprise to him when Pilate sentenced him to be crucified. He knew everything that he was about to experience, but yet he submitted to the will of the Father. And he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus, as he knew what was about to take place, the Bible says he was in such great agony that sweat came out like drops of blood. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. This is what it says about Jesus and the cross. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Jesus said, now, now is the time. Now is the time that the Son of Man will be glorified. And the Father was glorified in him. And how did he bring glory to the Father? He brought it through obedience. Obedience even unto death. And the night before, as he knew all that was taking place, and the Bible says he was in such great agony, he still, through obedience, brought glory to the Father. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. So we think about what Jesus suffered on the cross. Our mind uh, typically goes to what uh, physical torture he endured as they drove nails to his hands and feet. And he suffocated on that cross, being hung there and left outside. But it was not just physical torture that Jesus endured. There was a lot of shame that went along with the cross. In fact, crucifixion was designed not, to, not just to physically torture people, but to humiliate them as well. And as Jesus hung on the cross, the soldiers, the crowd, religious leaders, they came and they mocked him. And yet Jesus endured all of this, bringing glory to the Father through his obedience. Philippians chapter 2, if we look at the next two verses on from verse 8 that we just read, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So as we think about what Jesus says, is he, he's going to talk to his disciples about peace, love, and joy. And he begins that conversation by speaking about him glorifying God and God glorifying him. Now it's the Son of Man, now it's the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Think about what, what 
connection is there between the relationship between the Father and the Son and Jesus giving glory to the Father and the Father? What relationship is there between that and this idea of Jesus speaking to us about how to have peace and how to have love and how to have, have joy? Let's, let's read on. Let's see what the connection might be. Verse 33 says, Little children, yet a little while, while I'm with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus was preparing them for a whole different time. Jesus' disciples had been with him for three years now. They listened to him teach. They saw him work miracles. They'd seen him absolutely amaze people with his answers and with his wisdom. And now, as they are wondering when Jesus is going to restore the kingdom to Israel, isn't that what the disciples asked Jesus even after he'd resurrected? And he was about to ascend into heaven. They said, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Meaning, are you now going to throw out the Romans and bring us back our economic, political freedom? But Jesus came for much more than that. And they were just understanding one step at a time who he was and why he came. And so Jesus is now trying to prepare them for what's going to take place after his death. They had been with him all this time, but he says, Yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. If we think about the disciples and where they are in this moment, like, like the disciples after the ascension, uh, you and I, we live between the times as well. We live between the time of his first coming and the time of his, of his second coming. And when it comes to the timetable of Jesus, we're just as out of control as he is in control. If we think about where we are today, none of us chose to be born in this era None of us even chose what planet or what uh, country we would be born on or which parents we would be born to. We may seek to preach like Old Testament prophets or work miracles like New Testament apostles, but we are witnesses sharing the good news of Christ while building his church here on this earth. We we live between the times of of his coming. And just as Jesus submitted to the will of the Father, we must submit to the will of Jesus who we're to be his followers. As Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot come. So where did Jesus go? The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 22, verse 69, but from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Jesus, who in every way demonstrated that he was from God. He also modeled for us how to live. He modeled for us obedience, 
submission, as he gave glory to God by doing his will on earth. And so Jesus in verse 34 gives us a commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If we think about this commandment, only God gives commandments like this. And yet Jesus, Jesus is God. In chapter 1 of John's gospel, same gospel we're in today, verse 18, listen to what it says. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. Do you remember where Jesus is? It says, from now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. When I see uh, people's behavior and I hear their questions, uh, many times what I see and hear reveals to me that, that we don't understand our relationship to Jesus. We come looking for him to do our will instead of coming to learn his will and submit to it in our lives. It's Jesus who gives the commandments. And this commandment that he gives that we love one another, the commandment to love other believers is, is new only in the sense that Jesus has shown us a whole new level of love. We are to love as, as he is loved. And so in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 13, as Jesus was speaking more about this love, here's what he says. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So we, we look at Jesus and we see how he submitted to the will of the Father, how he brought glory to the Father. The Father was glorified in his suffering and in his service and in his submission. He brought glory to the Father. In Jesus, we see his love for people. The Bible speaks about Jesus coming up on a great crowd and it says and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a without a shepherd we, we read over and over again in the gospels Jesus interacting with sinful people and his concern was to bring them to repentance and faith so that they might be saved we see Jesus' love as he interacts with his own disciples. So many of them that, that didn't understand and that struggled to believe. Think about Peter, who even in his arrogance pulled Jesus aside and explained to Jesus that he wasn't going to be going to Jerusalem to be crucified. And you remember what Jesus said to Peter in that moment. He said, get behind me, Satan. 
I think about Thomas when Jesus says, we're going to go to Bethany where Lazarus is. The other disciple says, we can't go there. They're, they're, they're looking for you. Bethany is just two miles from Jerusalem, short walk. And Thomas said, well, let's just go with him so we can die too. He didn't, he didn't believe. Jesus' own disciples struggled in so many ways, and yet Jesus, Jesus loved them all. We see the compassion that Jesus demonstrated. And Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So as we think about how we're to relate to other believers, we, we relate to other believers out of love because we imitate Jesus Christ. As Jesus revealed the Father to us, we are to reveal the Son to the world. People see things that we do, and they recognize that it's not normal, and it's not natural. And they ask, what would cause a person to act in such a way? And, and it drives them to consider Jesus and to seek him. We... We live as Christians to follow Christ and to imitate him. Suppose that I said to you today, I know some of you have met my dad, some of you haven't. But suppose I said to you today, so my, my dad, my dad's a very hardworking person. My dad is a person of unquestionable integrity. He's both those things, by the way. I said that to you and I said so so I just I seek to honor him that's why every chance I get I just rob cheat and steal from people wouldn't make any sense would it and yet there seems to be this huge disconnect for many of us that, that we don't recognize that we honor Jesus we glorify him by imitating him. Now, not, not that we do exactly what he did. We live in a different time and a different place, but that we emulate his love for people. And so just as Jesus brought glory to the Father, we, we bring glory to the Son and to the Father when we love other people. Jesus says that we are to be known by this. This is what he says in verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I was thinking about Paul as he confronted the Jews in Romans chapter 2, verse 28. Here's what he says. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Paul was speaking about uh, false religion that just causes us to dress different and pretend to be different. No one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor circumcision, nor circumcision outward and physical. 
And if you're not familiar, you know what he's talking about. The circumcision was the mark of God's people, that little testament. Identifying mark. It was unique then. It's not unique now. It was unique then. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. What does it mean that circumcision is a matter of the heart? And that a Jew is one who is one inwardly. It means that the mark that is to distinguish us is a change of heart. We're to be a transformed person. So maybe you're here today and you're, you're wearing a cross around your neck. Maybe you have a fish on your car. I don't know. Nothing wrong with that. It's great if you want to use those symbols to communicate to people you're a Christian. So long as those things are just above and beyond the commandment that Jesus gave us about how we're to communicate who we are. Because he said the mark that distinguishes us is our love for one another. Our love. That people will know us by our love. As I was thinking about this, this concept of loving others, and, and I was thinking about the, all the times throughout my ministry and the interaction with people that it's, it's been difficult to love people. It's difficult at times, isn't it? Says people are uh, sinners just like us. And so we, we find ourselves at times when people are selfish and petty and rude and arrogant. It can be difficult. But what drives us and motivates us is that Jesus loved us. And so just as Jesus brought glory to the Father, we bring glory to the Father and to the Son when we love one another. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you give us a, a heart's desire to be a different person, to be truly marked by how we treat other brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that people would see us and they would see in our lives your son. Lord, give us the faith to believe and to trust that in this place where you've placed us, the faith would be found and that you would be glorified. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. Do you know that Jesus laid down his life for each and every one of us? As we think about the difficulty of loving difficult people, the reality is, is that none of us have ever experienced anything like what Jesus experienced on our behalf. People's sin against us pales in comparison to our sin against God. Now, I don't know if you understand that or not, but all sin is against God. And yet because of his grace and his mercy and his love, the Father still sent the Son to die in our place. And through his obedience, he secured our forgiveness. And so I want to invite you today, if there's never been a time in your life that you've asked God to forgive you of your sin,
Would you just speak to him now? You can pray right there in the pew where you are. Or if you want somebody to pray with you, if you'll step out of your seat and walk to the front, I'll be glad to pray with you and help you. God gives us this promise that if we ask for forgiveness, we will receive it. Maybe you're here today and you heard this message about Jesus has a commandment, but you're just not really sure how to apply it. We'll get into some more of those details as we go through the rest of Jesus' talk. But I think for most of us, the problem is not knowing how to love other people. The problem is having a sincere desire to love other people. And so I'd ask you today, if that's you, would you just pray, ask God to give you compassion like he has, to give you love for other people like he has. May we be motivated to emulate Jesus in how we conduct ourselves in the church and out of the church. So friend, whatever decision you need to make, 